Christ is risen. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, it is good that on this Sunday, the fifth Sunday after Easter, or the sixth Sunday of Easter, that we would set apart time to consider the theme of prayer. And we would do it perhaps this morning under three topics. The command to pray, the promise of prayer, and the privilege of prayer. It's good to review, in fact, good to review all three. First we have the prom, or first we have the command. And we simply want to remember that prayer is not optional. God commands it. In fact, prayer is what the second commandment is getting at. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray, praise, give thanks. There's something wonderful here. We know that the Ten Commandments give shape to our Christian life, shape to the, the, the way that we love, the way that we love God and the way that we love our neighbor. And just imagine this. Imagine if I were to ask you the question, describe for me what a Christian lives like. Describe to me what the Christian life looks like. Just describe it. What would you say? I think maybe you might say that it looks like a, a love for the neighbor, care for those around you, a person who, um, a person who goes to church, person who looks after their family, person that tries to do well, person that reads the Bible, things like this. But when God himself is giving shape to what the Christian life looks like, when, when he is telling us what our day should be sketched out as, the, the, very, the very first thing that comes after faith, that's the first commandment, the very first thing that comes after faith is prayer, the second commandment. Christian looks like a person who prays. It is the fundamental act of being one of the Lord's children. Prayer, as one theologian explained it, is like breathing. It's the breath of faith. If your body is alive, then it's breathing. And if you have faith, you pray. If you are a, if you are a Christian, and here is the simple gist of this commandment. If you are a, if you are a Christian, you should pray. The command. We also have the promise. The promise that goes with prayer. The promise that the Lord will hear our prayer and that the Lord will answer our prayer. And, and here we want to hear the scriptures, especially, and these are probably two of the most famous verses about the promise of prayer. We should write them on our hearts and with joy remember them. The first is Psalm 50 verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, says the Lord, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And the second, which is like it, Acts 7, sorry, Matthew 7, the, the words of our Lord Jesus, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone, Jesus promises, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. It might seem at times like our prayers are not heard, 
that they get no farther than the ceiling of the church and then that they're batted down by the demons, that our prayers don't make it through to God or even if they do make it through, that they don't matter, that God isn't paying attention, that He doesn't hear us and He's not interested in answering us. But walking by faith and not by sight, we trust what the Lord's Word says, that He hears our prayers and that He answers them. And it's our confidence here that brings us to the third point, to the privilege of prayer. And this is what Jesus is teaching about in this gospel text. It's what he's teaching his disciples and what he's teaching us in John 16. But the text is quite complex. So I'm going to suggest something to us as we start to think about it. And I would like to suggest to you this, that when we pause and think about prayer, we think about it wrongly, at least in this way. We think that prayer is simple for God and complicated for us. We think that prayer is simple for God and complicated for us. We think that there's a lot for us to do when it comes to prayer. In fact, listening to Bible studies and sermons on this, this is really the idea that you get, that it's really quite complicated, prayer is, that we have to find the time, that we have to make prayer a priority, that we have to sort out what words we should pray, that we have to fight against the devil and our own lazy, sinful flesh that doesn't want us to pray, that we've got to get our devotion books out, that we've got to remember the list of people that have requested our prayers, that we've got to find a comfortable and yet humble posture with which to pray, that we have to try to concentrate and keep our mind from wandering, and who knows how many other things. We have a very complicated and long list of things that we have to do to pray, but with God it's real simple. He just has to listen. He just sits there and is passive. I think that's how we think about prayer, if we stop and think about it. That, that we're the active ones and that God is passive. That we're the ones that are doing the work and that God simply listens. Now, it could be, and this might be closer to how we really think about prayer, it could be that we don't really think about prayer that much. And I actually think that this is quite wonderful. I've preached about prayer before and a few of you have come to me and said, Pastor, this all seems so complicated. I just talk to Jesus and tell him what I need and he hears me and answers it. And that is really quite wonderful. And I'm not trying to make things more complicated than they need to be. It's true that prayer is very, very simple for us. It's not this big, complicated ordeal. We, like children, simply ask our Father in Heaven for the things that we need. But... Prayer is a quite complicated thing for God. We think it's simple for God, but complicated for us. But the opposite is true. If we can speak like this, prayer is simple for us, but complicated for God. At least as complicated as anything can be for for God. Prayer, in other words, involves a lot more from God than just sitting in heaven and listening. In fact, There are a lot of things that have to happen before God can hear us, before He can even hear our prayers, and before He can answer them. Let's get at it this way. I'll ask you a question. Think about this. Does God hear and answer the prayers of the unbelievers? We know that God hears everything. God, I'm sure, heard the cat scratching on the back door to get into the kitchen this morning. God hears everything. 
He hears the thoughts in, 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 that, that constantly bounce around our mind even. God knows absolutely everything. So as far as hearing the sound that the unbeliever's mouth makes when they pray, that's not the question. Are the prayers of the unbeliever prayers? We, we've seen these dramatic scenes in the movie, you know, where someone is right at their wit's end. And they, they, they don't believe in God. They don't know the name of Jesus. They, they're unbelievers, and yet they, pry, they cry out in their distress, something like this. If you're up there, would you hear me and help me out? The perfect prayer of doubt. Of a prayer of unbelief. Is it a prayer? What about the prayers that are being offered, that were being offered yesterday at the synagogue? Or the prayers that were offered on Friday at the mosque, are they prayers? Here's a, the question and the answer from the catechism, the explanation, question 196. Whose prayers are acceptable to God? Answer, only those who believe in Jesus Christ may pray to God and expect to be heard. And the catechism provides the text, John 14, verse 13 and 14, and then John 15, verse 7, where Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The prophet Isaiah gives this warning. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, says the Lord, I will not listen. For your hands are full of blood. That's Isaiah 1.15. The Bible teaches that the prayer of the unbeliever is not heard. That the prayer of the unbeliever is in fact not a prayer at all. That God doesn't hear it. That God doesn't answer it. And this right away lets us know that there is something more to prayer than simply a human talking and God listening. There's something more, something more involved, something more complicated. It is, in fact, what Jesus is talking about in the gospel text. How prayer works, not from our perspective, but from God. How it is that our prayers can get from our unholy lips to God's holy ears. Here's the text, at least the first few verses. John 16, 23 to 28. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Dear Saints, Jesus makes prayer possible. Remember how it was last week. We said that when Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, that he includes everything that he's doing for our redemption. He's indicating the cross and the empty tomb and the clouds on the Mount of Olives. So, 
So it is that by his incarnation, his coming in the flesh, by his life and by his death and by his resurrection and by his ascension to the right hand of the Father, he makes prayer possible. He, he opens the ears of our Heavenly Father to hear our voice. He makes a way for our words to heaven. Understand it like this. When Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father, we realize that he has to do something to actually make God our Father. For we who are born according to the flesh are not born children of God. Jesus has to make us God's children, and this means dying in, in our place on the cross. It means suffering the wrath and forsakenness of God in our place. It means being the propitiation of God's anger, the appeasement of His justice. And it also means sending to us His Holy Spirit by the preaching of the apostles so that the forgiveness that Jesus wins on the cross will be ours. It means that Jesus has to establish His church and institute baptism so that He can put His name on us and wash away our sins and adopt us to be part of His family. His family where, where He is our brother and God is our Father. For we were born children, not of God, but of the devil. Children of wrath. Slaves in the kingdom of darkness. But we have been rescued from that slavery. Purchased with the blood of the Holy Lamb of God. Redeemed by His death. Transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of, of the devil, into the kingdom of His light. And, and He has done it. He has accomplished it. He has made it happen. Behold, says John, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. And we are. We are holy because we are forgiven. We are righteous because we are declared to be righteous by God. We are God's children because we are baptized and, and because we are His children, because God is our Father, because we have all of these undeserved gifts that come from the cross of Jesus, now we have the privilege also of prayer. Do you see that apart from the death of Jesus, our words are just like our thoughts and our deeds, completely stained with sin, completely a, a, an, an abomination to God the Father. Completely unholy. Our prayers are like the, like the stench of death. It's like burning, rotting corpses. That's what our prayers are apart from Christ. But Jesus, by His blood, by His sacrifice, by His Holy Spirit, takes even our prayers and forgives our sins and makes them a holy and acceptable offering to God. It's because you're forgiven that you can pray. It's because you're baptized that you can pray. It's because God has put his name on you and called you his own that you can pray. And so, dear children of God, we pray. Not as some sort of complicated ordeal. Not as some sort of uh, big and fantastic effort with Ten stages and twelve steps. No, we pray asking our Father as a dear child asked his Father. Because Jesus has died and risen for you.
May this, the work of Jesus, on our behalf, on your behalf, may it be your comfort and your peace, now and always, as we pray. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.